You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Swing and a drive. Right field and deep. Back goes Aquino. It's got a chance. Gone. Get out the tape measure, long gone. Fly the W! Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley-Jean. You're listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is season one, episode number 50. Happy 50th, Crawley. Farewell, Jason Hayward. And Wilson Contreras, I am Dustin Rhodes, executive producer of the Mully and Haw Show on 670 The Score. Of course, it is your radio home for all things Cubs baseball. How you doing, Crowley, on this uh, first uh, little bit of snow in the uh, Chicagoland area? Well, I'm doing better than anyone from the 2016 Cubs right about now. So uh, don't forget to listen, download, review, and most importantly, subscribe to the podcast. And follow all our socials, Fly the W670 on Twitter and Instagram. Fly the W on Facebook and fly the W670 at gmail.com. Well, Crowley, let's cut right to the chase. You just mentioned it. Uh, Kyle Hendricks is the uh, last of the Mohicans, if you will, or the last of the 2016 Cubs. As Monday, Hayward was granted his unconditional release. And then I guess just a few minutes ago, no huge surprise, but Wilson Contreras rejected the $19.65 million qualifying offer from the Cubs. Yeah, Jason Hayward um, granted his release, and so he's free to do what he wants now. He is owed $22 million by the Cubs next season. So, I mean, it, it, it's hard to believe that that time has passed that quickly. Uh, you know, I remember in 2015 when the Cubs were playing the Cardinals in the NLDS, uh, Jake Arrieta was otherworldly, unhittable. And the only one that could hit a home run off him in the postseason was Jason Hayward. And so I just remember 2016, just thinking to myself, you know, Hayward's out there. Everybody wants him. The, the Cardinals offered the top dollar amount, but he chose to go with the Cubs, you know, eight years, 184. And so, you know, there's a lot of bragging rights. You know, you knew the Cubs were on to something big when Hayward signed with the Cubs because, you know, traditionally people wanted to go to the Cardinals. It was considered a winning organization. And the fact that they offered more money and turned it down, I mean, uh, that was a huge deal. But, uh, you know, clearly Hayward um, struggled, especially that first season with the Cubs in 2016. He hit only 230 with seven home runs and 49 RBIs while leading the majors in percentage of soft hit batted balls, 27%. Um, He would win a gold glove. He won two gold gloves in right field in 2016 and 2017. Uh, He finishes up his Cubs career slash in 245, 323, 377 with six home runs and 289 RBIs. 
But I mean, it's it, when you when you talk about that slash line. Obviously, the average is not good. The on base is not good. But it's the slugging at three seventy seven. That's just so awful. Yeah, and that's the just, glaring. That's the really yeah. glaring number out there. It jumps out and. I tell people I've been around a lot of baseball players in my life and, and some of the strongest baseball players I ever saw the most put together, Eloy Jimenez, uh, Jason Hayward, Jorge Soler. Those were three guys that when you went up to them, they were just cut like, like out of granite. And I just cannot imagine a hard hit ball rate of 27.1 and, and a slugging percentage of 377 when the guy has a chiseled body like that, it just blows the it mind. It just didn't make any sense. It, it really it really doesn't. And again, Jason Hayward, um, great teammate, great leader, great guy off the field. What he's doing in the community is outrageously excellent. Um, and those are going to be the things you got to remember him for. Um, you got to get over the fact that the Cubs paid him eight years on $184 million. If you said it was going to help you get a World Series, then it was well worth it, right? Yep, and, and, the, and the thing that he will forever go down in Cubs lore is that speech in the locker room, reminding the players who they were, what they've done to get there and to finish the job, the, the calming presence that he had in that locker room. Sometimes you have those quiet leaders, the ones that lead by example, that teach you how to do the right things, and Jason Hayward did all that, and, 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 and so – all the memorabilia that I have signed by him, photos, um, baseballs, all of them are signed with the speech underneath because that, that, that is his legacy to Chicago Cubs baseball. Well, I know that's how we want to remember him, Crowley, and that's probably how we should remember him, Crowley, but do you think, I'd even give it five years. How about the Cubs convention? On a Saturday night, if we were walking through the Cubs convention, just doing like a, a man on the street, if you will, how will you remember Jason Hayward. You think the reaction would be the speech? Every, I think out of 90, well, some people are going to say disappointing contract. But I well, think I think people do. might say $184 million. Right. The I guy think. who didn't live up to the contract. I just wonder, you know, how far removed we get away from 2016. And maybe the Cubs convention is a bad is a bad place to take that poll because the people at the Cubs convention are, are P1s. Right, yeah. they are they are the the diest uh, the diest of diehard, if that's even the right word to use. They are they are the top of the heap, if you will. I just wonder if the speech will be remembered, or the underperforming contract, or the old joke like um, you know maybe he should have changed his number to forty three because he always grounded it out, you know, to four three um, if you're scoring at home, that kind of thing. So I, I just find it curious how exactly he'll be remembered the farther and farther and farther we get removed from 2016. I I, I, st I still think it's going to be the speech. I, again, it, it, it's it, he you know it's on everything that he autographs. Everyone always asks him for that. All the memorabilia. Um, I, I think that people still ask about that speech, you know, that, that rain delay, that speech. I mean, game seven, and I, and I remember they were talking about maybe making a movie of that 2016 Cubs scene, but that, that's the moment, and that's his moment when he stepped up and shined. So I think all in all, it's always going to be what happened in that locker room, in that weight room, uh, when that rain came down, how, you know, that, that image of uh, Araldis Chapman crying on the bench, and the rain coming down and somebody stepped up, I think that's going to be the everlasting memory of Jason Hayward in my mind.
Well, I hope so. He probably deserves that to be the memory and not the $184 million and not the three seventy seven slugging. Something we talked about today on the Mully and Haw show was you know, Jason Hayward's future. Will he be on a major league roster in late March, early April of 2023? And could that new home be with the White Sox? What would the White Sox have to lose to bring in a leader and a gold glove caliber defensive guy? What would they have to lose in doing that? And I'm sure Hayward would like to stick around town, um, potentially play for a team that's going to compete and keep an eye on his foundation. You know, it's, it's just a thing that the White Sox have a lot of outfielders. You know, they have a glut of outfielders. I think that's that's the problem. Um, Jason Hayward hasn't uh, – last time he won a gold glove was in 2017. So, I mean, he's still a very good defender, probably not what he was at his peak. Um, I, I think people will offer contracts, but, I mean, it's just – it's going to be hard because I don't think that there's just a huge demand out there for him. You know, he's not going to want to take, like, a minor league assignment, right? He's going to want a ma- an invitation to major league uh, camp. So if the, if the White Sox are willing to go that route, that's fine. I just – I don't see that happening. I'd, I'd be surprised if Jason Hayward was playing major league baseball come um, April. All right. Well, one guy we know is going to be ba- playing baseball in 2023 and beyond is Wilson Contreras. We just now know, what, 98% sure – Crowley at this point that Wilson Contreras will not be a Cub in 2023? Wilson and the Cubs have shocked us before, but it just really is improbable that he would be back. He is very 98.8% chance he's played his last game as the Cubs with a Cub. Um, He rejected the $19.65 million qualifying offer. Everybody knew that before it was even before the, the offer was offered. And, and all along, there was no doubt. So he's a free agent. Um, he was 14 years with the Cubs. So when you think about that, 14 years with the Cubs, I mean, that's just, you know, that's more probably more than half his life. You know what yep. I mean? And so the Cubs now will receive a draft pick, uh, you know, after competitive balance round B. Uh, easiest way to put it is after the second round of the draft, the Cubs will get an extra draft pick. Um, but Wilson, you know, three-time All-Star, 2016 World Series champion, he signed as an international free agent in 2009 and he worked his way. I mean, it, it didn't come easy for Wilson. He wasn't the guy that was always on the top of the, you know, no. prospect. No, list. no, 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 no. Mm-mm. And you think about his time. This is, you know, a lot of the guy, a lot of the teams that he played for are no longer affiliated with the Cubs. He played with the Boise Hawks and uh, close by me at the King County Cougars and the Daytona Cubs. Um, but 2015 with the Smokies was his breakout year. He was the minor league player of the year. And not long after that, he makes his major league debut on June 17, 2016. If people recall, he hit a two-run homer on the first pitch of his first major league at bat. Only 30 players in the modern MLB game have done that. And so what a way to burst on the scene. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. I, you know, there's so many. It, you know, we talked about Jason Hayward a second ago about how he will be remembered. There are so many memorable moments for Wilson Contreras. It'd be hard even to put together a top five. Right. And when you think about Wilson Contreras, and you know, it's just the passion. Everybody knew the passion with what he played with. He wore his emotions on his sleeve. Uh, and, and, and he excited the, the fan base. And so when you think about everything, whether it was home runs or whether it was his back pick or throwing runners out at second, 
you know, I, you know, you talk about, I was thinking about all the great plays in Wilson's career. He was the one with Javi Baez when Javi was going back and forth against the pirates. It was Wilson that snuck in at home plate or the bat flip against the uh, white Sox that he basically flipped to the moon. Um, I mean, just so many great memories that you think about it and, and think about the trust and the faith that the Cubs did have him. He, he may, he was the starting catcher for game seven of the world series. So, I mean, as a rookie, right. As I mean, a rookie. right. As a rookie. As I mean, it's rookie. not, it's not a big deal that he was the starting catcher in game seven. It's what his experience level was at that point. Unbelievable. And then in 2021, I know this, you don't put too much stock in it, but he caught the first combined no hitter in team history. That uh, that was. I just I just if you're not watching the I just rolled my eye. <laughs> Whipty frickin' do again. When you have to put the word in front of the no hitter, it's not a no hitter. Okay, but we'll the, argue the, about that later. The Zach Davies, Ryan Tapera, Andrew Chafin, and Craig Kimbrell combined no hitter. I put it in front. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know he had a career slash of two fifty six, three forty nine, four fifty nine, hundred seventeen home runs, three hundred sixty five RBIs. When you take a look at, at the list of Cubs catching greats, uh, Wilson is definitely on that list. You know, there, there's, you know, it's him and Jody Davis that really kind of, especially when you talk about the offensive numbers, are at the top of those lists. So um, just, just uh, it, it was an honor to watch him play. Um, it, it's hard to think he's not going to be on the team anymore. Uh, the Tigers mentioned as being interested in Contreras, and so that would be interesting because that would reunite him with Javi. Um, the Astros, Astros as well, right? Astros are another team that uh, uh, is interested in Contreras. Listen, I, I hope for him and his family and his connections that uh, the $19.65 million he turned down from the Cubs will end up being tipping money for him. I, I just wonder at his age and what he's been through, what team is going to invest $100 million in him. I hope he gets it. He probably deserved it in the past. I don't know that he deserves it now. Uh, another guy, Crowley, that we know will not be playing for the Cubs, at least uh, in the next year or two, and not that we had a huge idea that he would, but the Cubs are looking to upgrade at first base, and that is Anthony Rizzo, who is sticking around with the Yankees. Yeah, funny, huh? The report comes out from Ken Rosenthal that the Astros identified Anthony Rizzo as their number one free agent target. And the very next day, the Yankees offer him a two-year contract, about $17 million a year with a $16 million buyout, $40 million guaranteed. But uh, Rizzo, you know, the Cubs offered him $70 million. Uh, before he left. He felt disrespected. He felt that um, with everything that he gave the Cubs and the fact that he kind of had a team-friendly deal for his prime years, he expected a little bit more. He didn't get that. And so at this point, he takes a look and and he bet on himself, and he's going to kind of pretty much come out the same, roughly around $65, $70 million, uh, when it's all said and done. But instead of you know watching the Cubs rebuild, he's been part of the Yankees teams that have had uh, postseason success. So have they had uh, postseason success? I mean, well, I, I mean, mean, I mean, I mean, they played in the postseason, but I mean, how much? I, I here, I just think, I just think Anthony Rizzo really 
miscalculated this. Now, I will give him credit because I gave crap to the other guys that, in my opinion, just ran for the biggest payday possible, <coughs> Chris Bryant, um, and had no care about getting a ring or where they were in the in the big picture. So I'll give Rizzo credit for potentially chasing another uh, another World Series ring. Um, but he could have been the next Mr. Cub. He could have been an all-timer. He could have been a guy that had a statue that was part of the Cubs for forever. And he tore that down and he maybe is going to make another extra million dollars out of it. Maybe. Uh, I think he's still going for another ring. And, 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 you know, the Yankees, when you saw them last season, you thought that that was a team that really truly was a contender. And I mean, they made it to the ALCS, uh, you know, that's, you know, you're four games away from a world series at that point. You, you know, would you want to sit around and watch what's happening now, as far as the Cubs losing 80, 90 games a season, or would you rather be with the winner? I don't. I, I think that us putting the stock into that the Mister Cub idea um, as fans, that's one thing. But but players want to win, and, and there's a certain point in time where Rizzo was part of a large amount of bad losing teams with the Cubs uh, in 2013, 2014, yep. those kind of stuff. You you want to do that again at the end of the career? You know, one one ring is nice. But you, you want to go for more, and, and, you know, the Yankees were a lot of teams. You know, a lot of people picked them to potentially win the World Series. And, you know, if, if you put money on that in the beginning of the season last year for three-quarters of the season, that looked like a pretty good bet. So, I you know, the statues and the this and that, how, how, how could you say that Rizzo maybe doesn't get a statue at Wrigley? For no shot. No shot. No shot. No shot, no shot. Someday we're going to have to sit down during this podcast or over beers and then bring it back to this podcast. You know, who from the 2016 Cubs will end up having their number and or a statue built in their honor? All I know is the last image that you see is the two arms up in the air, man. That's that that that's forever. And and, and who was the one at when they when they were playing, when all of a sudden I was at the banner raising ceremony, opening night 2017, and the, the players each took a turn raising that flag, the 2016 World Series champions. And all of a sudden they started blasting out ACDC, long way to the top. Who was the guy walking out of there holding the trophy? All right, that's what I'm saying. I just think he, he should have never left the Cubs, Crawley. He should have stuck around. I, I just you know, if he really wanted a ring, then he should go, should have gone to the Astros. But guess what? The Astros probably weren't going to give him the kind of money that the Yankees were giving him. You know what Anthony Rizzo's got? Great representation. He's got a great agent that created this market for him that really might not have existed. But enough about Anthony Rizzo. <laughs> well, speaking of Rizzo in that World Series, that now leaves, like you said, Kyle Hendricks as the last of the World Series Cubs on the roster. That is, is so crazy. That is so crazy. <laughs> He's the one guy that did get the extension. Does David um, Ross count since he's the manager? Does that count? Yeah, sure. <laughs> we kind of. You know, yeah, maybe not. The, okay. la the last. How about the last active active player? active player? Okay. And so Hendricks did not pitch after the All Star break this year, so it's going to give him time to rest his shoulder. He's been focusing on strength and conditioning. Um, one thing that Patrick Mooney wrote about in the Athletic, a uh, friend of the pod, he was actually our first guest ever on the podcast. Um, but Hedricks will start a driveline-style throwing program to increase his velocity. 
2022 marked the lowest average velocity on his four-seamer and sinker. Um, you know, he was, he's been struggling in 2021, 2022 with velocity, and his ERA was above four in both of those seasons. 2021, uh, he was at 477 ERA, and 2022, 480 ERA. Here's the thing, Dustin, is that, you know, he relies on deception, and even though he never ever threw a ton of heat, when in 2016, he was throwing 91, 92, okay? He's struggling now to throw 88, 89. And so with the driveline type programs that other people have been in before, uh, it's usually added about two miles an hour, which doesn't seem like a lot, but the more gap you can get between that fastball and singer and his changeup, it's going to make a difference. So, you know, Kyle Hendricks, this is really a make or break year for, I don't want to say make or break year, but you really wonder if he wants to continue working towards that next contract. Uh, this has got to be a big year for him. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You're listening to Season 1, Episode 50, Farewell, Jason Hayward and Wilson Contreras, and right now, the professor, Kyle Hendricks, is the last of the Cubs 2016 active players on the roster. Our interview this week is with Brian Smith of Bleacher Nation on the Cubs 40-man roster construction. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, we have Brian Smith. You can find him on Twitter at Cub Prospects, and he writes for the Bleacher Nation. How are you doing tonight, Brian? I'm good, Crawley. Thanks for having me. Hey, no problem, man. I'm hoping you're getting some sleep because I know this is a chaotic time for you right now. Uh, we talked about it a little bit on our last podcast, this calendar kind of coming up this end of November gets, gets a little dicey. So uh, we're recording this on Thursday, November 9th. So tomorrow's the deadline for teams to make qualifying offers to their free agents. And obviously Wilson's the big one. Um, but there, there's a couple other things that are kind of going on here. Um, I think it's important for people to understand that obviously you have a 26 man roster right throughout the season. Yep. And then you also have a 40 man roster. Explain to listeners here what the 40 man roster is for. Yeah. So the 40 man roster obviously encompasses, you know, your entire 26 man roster, but it also provides you 14 extra spots that you can use for, for call-ups uh, for guys in the minors that, that are providing you depth that are, that are necessary. And, not everybody in the minor leagues needs to be on your 40 man roster, but if you're going to call a guy up to the majors, he has to be on your 40 man roster. So 
you know, it's, it's there to be your depth really, but it's also creates its own sort of roster log jam above the 26 man roster, because you don't want to have guys on there that you're not going to be using in the major leagues necessarily, except if you're protecting them from the rule five draft, which I know is something that we're going to talk about in a few minutes here. <laughs> it gets, it gets crazy. So uh, tomorrow, the 10th, is when teams uh, also are going to take a bunch of players off the 60-man roster. Who does that look like for the Cubs? I know that Kyle Hendricks would be another, uh, Jason Hayward, whole bunch of people coming off. Any other names I'm forgetting here? Yeah, I mean, Alec Mills is on there. Um, Ethan Roberts is on there. Um, Brad Wick's on there. Rafael Ortega. So all those guys are going to come back onto the 40-man roster which is actually going to then push the Cubs above 40 people on their 40 man roster, which you're not allowed to do. So instantly the Cubs will have to release, will have to release a couple players to get down to 40 names before they even start adding people for the winter. So it's definitely just these, this weird sort of week ahead where Jed and Carter have to constantly be sort of subtracting a couple guys to add a couple guys to subtract a couple guys to add a couple guys. It's, it's a bizarre time of year. Right. And so, you know, when I take a look at it, obviously Kyle Hendricks is not going anywhere, but right. you know, a couple guys, Jason Hayward, we already know is out. Gone. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that leaves, you know, a couple guys, you know, Alec Mills is boy, you know, you kind of just take a look at the list. Like you said, we got, we covered week and we covered Hayward's gone and Ortega is another one that, you know, I, I really don't see him maybe sticking around. Right. And so then on Friday, November 18th you also have the non-tender deadline so teams have to decide who they're going to keep between i'm not even going to the three and six year you know service time stuff but that's a list that includes hap steven brault fran mill reyes rowan wick alec mills brad week nico horner cody hewer nick magical and rafael ortega I'll actually, uh, let me, let me jump in real quick because what I'll say about that day is it's basically a day that if you don't have a guaranteed contract that includes years in the future, no matter whether you're arbitration eligible or before that, even, you know, a guy like uh, uh, Justin Steele or someone like that, that's, that's younger, the Cubs decide on that day, whether they want to offer you a 2023 contract or not. So it's, it's everybody that doesn't have a contract that we already know about. Right. And so these guys right now, when you talked about that list, I mean, obviously Hap is safe. Uh, you know, you could say yeah. Cody here is safe. Mad, Mad, Magical would be safe, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think so. He's he's sort of like probably at that like last safety point of being of being fine. <laughs> Fran Mil Reyes. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. He's a little bit expensive and it started out good. And other than that, uh, I will always love you, I think will be the highlight. What are you thinking on that? Yeah, I mean, the problem with arbitration for Fran Mill's point of view is that you have to sort of keep going up in money. And he made enough money last year that that if you're going to be in a similar ballpark with his salary, I don't know if the Cubs are going to feel good enough about how to project what he does in 2023 to want to pay him, you know, six to $10 million. Yeah, that, that that's going to be a tough one there. And then you know, and then we start getting around the, the, the deadline for placing rule five eligible prospects on the 40 man roster yeah. is November 15th. So let, let's talk about that terminology right there. The deadline for placing rule five yeah. eligible prospects. So who would be considered a rule five eligible prospect? 
Yeah, so the, I mean, we're getting we're gonna get real into the weeds here. So you know, <laughs> stick with me. But you know, if you're in the minor leagues for a certain number of years, it's either three or four years, you become eligible for what's called the Rule Five Draft. And the reason the Rule Five Draft exists is that they don't want teams to sort of stash guys in the minor leagues and not give them a chance to get to the major leagues over time. So they allow other teams to grab guys from other organizations. And then they have to keep them on the major league roster for one whole year if they're going to do it. And that's what the rule five draft is. What you can do when you're, when your prospects become eligible for the rule five draft, if you don't want them to be able to be selected, you add them onto your 40 man roster. And now they cannot be selected any longer in that rule five. It, it protects them from eligibility in that draft. So the Cubs, I think, have you know probably something like 50 players that are eligible for the Rule Five Draft, but of course, you know, a large number of those aren't getting any consideration from Jed and Carter at all. Uh, there's probably about you know probably about 15 guys that you know I would imagine they had a meeting about in the last week, and you know what do we think about each of these cases? And in the end, there's probably we're probably looking at somewhere between three and you know on the high side five or six guys that will that will get added. So as as we kind of take a look here, right, and 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 for the Cubs, it's kind of like um, a good problem to have is that it looks like the minor league system through trades, through draft, international free agents, it's, it, that that farm system for the Cubs is really rising in the rankings, and it, it's a good problem to have to have you know a right. lot of good prospects, but at the same time, for other teams that don't have as good a farm system, this is kind of really an opportunity to kind of maybe poach somebody because the Cubs clearly cannot protect everybody. When I look at that, you know, the top 30 prospect list, you keep seeing newer and newer names and some guys kind of start falling back. And those are the kind of guys that may get a shot somewhere. Yeah. I mean, even a guy that, that I think the Cubs are going to put on their 40 man roster in a couple days is Kevin Alcantara, who the Cubs acquired for Anthony Rizzo from the Yankees uh, had a good year this year with Myrtle beach uh, and the reason the Cubs are going to put him on the 40-man roster is so that he doesn't get drafted in that Rule 5 draft. They know that he's not going to help them in Chicago in 2023, but he is such a good talent that I think another team, if he was eligible in the Rule 5, a team that knew they were going to stink next year, say the Washington Nationals, they would draft him and just stash him as the 26th guy on their roster for all of 2023 because they'd be so desperate to add that guy into their talent pool for 2024 and beyond. So the Cubs are going to look at that. They're going to realize that, Hey, we want Kevin in our organization and they're going to put him on the 40 man roster. And so as you kind of like, like you were saying though, this, this is kind of the risk here is that with, with the rule five, they have to stay on your major league roster. You you don't have the option of uh, demoting them to the minors or any, anything like that. That's, that's it. They have to be on that roster the entire year. And what happens if they decide if a team, let's say, takes Kevin Alcantara, let's use your example of Kevin Alcantara. Let's say someone takes Kevin Alcantara and then all of a sudden it's just not really working out. Then what happens to Kevin? Sure. So when that team drafted Kevin, you know, in in our hypothetical situation here, they'll they'll they would have given the Cubs one hundred thousand dollars in exchange for for that right to draft him. Uh, If at some point they decided, hey, we don't want him on our major league roster anymore. It's not working out what would happen is they would offer him back to the Cubs. And if the Cubs wanted him and there would then be no roster limitations, they could take him back and put him in the minor leagues. 
the Cubs would just have to pay 50,000 of the 100,000 back to that team. So, you know, a lot of cases, I think the Cubs will look at with some of the players that are eligible and they'll say, hey, I don't think this guy could last in the majors for an entire year. I bet even if he does get drafted, the team will end up offering him back to us and we'll get him anyway. So that's why some of the cases, I mean, the Cubs Cubs have, I think, eight guys, Crawley, that that are eligible for this Rule 5 draft that have hit 97 or higher uh, on you know with their fastball on the radar gun this year. I think there's five guys that hit 100 this year. So it's a weird time in the Cubs farm system where, like, we could see a situation in a month here where the rule five draft happens and the Cubs lose, you know, two players in the rule five that, that we read about is this guy touched 101 miles per hour this year. We're all going to be like, what the hell were the Cubs thinking, you know, letting, letting them go. But, you know, there's, there's some rationale there and that the, that'll be a calculated gamble. Hey, we don't think they're quite ready to last for six months in the major leagues. And, and that that's where it starts to get tricky. And that's where, you know, you said that you saw Kevin Alcantara making the 40-man roster. Who are the other players that you kind of see, as far as in your opinion, have a really good shot at making that 40-man roster? Sure. I mean, I think the headline name is going to be Brennan Davis. It's Brennan, Brennan's time. I think the Cubs thought that Brennan would get called up to the majors this year if he didn't have the injuries that he suffered in the 2022 season. So, you know, I think even eight months ago, you know, probably even two years ago, the Cubs knew that they were already going to have Brennan on the 40 man roster going into this off season. So that'll be mostly a procedural move. I think in addition to that, Ben Brown, who the Cubs acquired for David Robertson at the trade deadline, I think he's a lock to be added. I think when the Cubs traded for him, they knew that it would, it would come with adding him onto the 40 man roster on that date. So he's a lock. And I think the one other one that I think is going to get on is Ryan Jensen, who was the Cubs first round pick in 2019, a guy that they've worked really hard with to add pitches, to change his mechanics. And, you know, in the second half of the year, he touched hundred miles per hour. He's showing, you know, a cutter in the nineties, a slider that, that was up to 90. He's got a lot of really good stuff happening. Um, hasn't quite like, hit the next threshold as a prospect to sort of be in those top hundred conversations, but he's too valuable of an arm for the Cubs to risk losing. So I think those are the, those are the four to me that are, that are pretty close to locks to be at. Okay. So those are your locks. And so you said, and so now you take a look at your, you said Jensen, you said Brennan, you said Ben Brown. Yeah, and Kevin Alcantara being Kevin Alcantara we talked about, yeah. And so now what you kind of take a look at is who are the guys that you say might be bubble players that could potentially make that 40-man roster? Yeah, so, I mean, then we're getting down to a to a list of, you know, I know that, that you've talked to Cole Franklin before. Cole Franklin's eligible for the Rule 5 this year, a guy that was 99 miles per hour multiple times this year, I think, if I'm remembering right, touched 100 early on as well. Uh, if we're sticking with the hundred mile per hour guys, Cam Sanders hit a hundred in September with Iowa as a reliever, uh, the son of Scott Sanders, who was a reliever for the Cubs in the nineties. Uh, he's going to be a really, if he doesn't get added, I think teams are really going to look at him hard for the rule five draft. And then Danny's Correa is another one, a guy who hit, has hit 101 miles per hour in the past that has one of the quickest arms I've ever seen for a reliever. It just, his, his arm is like lightning fast. I think those guys are all candidates too. And then another one I'll, I'll just throw at you is Chase Strumpf, who was the second round pick after Ryan Jensen in that 2019 draft, uh, is a guy that 
Baseball America voted the uh, best defensive second baseman in double A this year and also hit, I think, 23 home runs in double A. So a guy that has, you know, good power and pretty solid defense. Uh, I think that'll be a guy that teams look at really closely as well. Now, the one name that I, you know, I kind of keep, keep hearing a little bit now and then about when it comes to rule five is Luis Devers. Yeah. Okay, so so let, let's kind of take a look here right now. Is that the Rule 5 draft, the 40-man roster is, is set, you know, when, when we talk about protecting those eligible guys on November 15th. Who scares you that may not make it that you could see other teams uh, picking up? Yeah, I mean, let's talk about the Devers case, for for instance. Devers was the, the Cubs minor league pitcher of the year this season, a guy that, you know, he kept his ERA south of two for most of the year. Uh, I don't think he allowed even two runs in a start, you know, at the final two months of the year after he'd gotten promoted to high A. Uh, he was just absolutely sensational. And I think Cubs, the Cubs fans would look at their track record with developing pitchers and they would say, how could you let a pitcher, you know, that won our pitcher of the year in this year that our farm system broke out? How could you let him go? And that's going to be a really tough one for the Cubs because they're going to look at Devers and they're going to say, you know, this is a guy that's that's low 90s with velocity mostly. He's got a really good changeup, but his breaking ball is still kind of fringy. He's really succeeding in a way kind of like Johnny Cueto does, where he just outthinks hitters. And, he, you know, he just messes around with his timing and his arm angles. And he's, he's just – he's so fun to watch out there. But he hasn't pitched above A ball yet. So I think the Cubs might look at that and they might roll the dice and say – you know, I don't I don't think anyone else is going to take the risk. that They can keep him on the roster for the entire year because, you know, his top end stuff isn't quite major league quality yet. And I my guess is they're going to leave him exposed for the rule five, which is just crazy, given the year he had. Yeah, we, we got to see him in South Bend and and, and he was a big part of that championship uh, yeah. run at the end. And so just it's, it's, it's just absolutely hard to fathom that, you know, like you said, you know, with a lot of these guys, you know, when you talk about that transition, it's just a totally different world up in the major leagues compared to the minor leagues, you know, as far as yeah. the amount of innings thrown and, and the stuff that you have to have. I mean, obviously you can use them as a reliever and stuff like that, but it, it, it it's, I mean, when you think about not being above A, it would be really hard to see the team taking a gamble and rolling the dice on that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think what's really changed in baseball over the last 10 years is that the stuff that you have has become almost more important when you're evaluating minor league players than the results are. And so a guy, you know, almost no one in the minor leagues had better results than Luis Devers this year, but the Cubs are going to look at five or eight other pitchers and say, Hey, this prospect actually has better raw stuff. I think I'm more worried about a team taking him in the rule five than Devers. All right. Luis Devers. Now you got me sweating. Now we get to the portion of the show, Brian, where I start sweating a little bit. Who else you got that 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 other teams may find quite attractive or appealing? Oh, okay. I mean, a, a bunch of those relievers I mentioned early on. Like, I think if, I think Cam Sanders is going to be left open for the Rule Five, and I and like I would tell you, I think he is going to get drafted, which is which is going to be too bad because I think you know there were probably opportunities to give him a shot down the stretch, and and they didn't end up taking him, and I kind of understand why they did that, but. Um, that's the one that jumps out to me as the most likely to be added. Another guy that I would point out that's kind of like Devers, a very similar situation is Darius Hill, who uh, led the Cubs farm system in batting average this year. He played in double A AA and triple A. 
he's one of those guys that just he's he wakes out of bed hitting 300 his bat to ball skills are as good as anybody in the cubs system uh just a pure hitter you know one of those guys that just he's not gonna wear batting gloves he's just gonna you know you can throw your best stop at him and he's gonna foul eight balls off and then he's gonna hit a you know a little squib into the opposite <laughs> field and get a single and uh but also showed a little bit of extra pop this year. Teams used to say that he was just a left fielder. I thought he looked pretty good in center field. So he's a guy that that I could see also being left exposed because he doesn't have that sort of like sexy power, you know, big speed profile. But he's a guy that just gets it done. And so if another team looks and says, hey, that's we could we could do a lot worse with spending, you know, we could spend three to $5 million on a fourth outfielder and do worse than we're going to do with Darius Hill at the minimum. And then we have him for six more years after that. I could see someone taking him. I remember I was talking to Mick Gillespie, the voice of the Tennessee Smokies. And, you know, I, I was kind of like, Oh, tell me about Matt Mervis. Tell me about, you know, Alexander Canario, you know, just trying to get all these guys. And he's like, let me tell you about Darius Hill. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, when you talk about some of those guys that see, you know, see these young guys on a day to day, sometimes there's intangibles that, you know, don't pop out on the stat sheet that aren't like, you know, you know, when you talk about the 101 or something or hitting 35 home runs right. in the minor leagues that just automatically pop out. And you have a guy like uh, you, you have a guy right there, like Darius Hill, who could re like you said, be really attractive to other teams. Yeah. Now, I mean, he just uh, like somebody like Mick, who's good, who watches, you know, every Tennessee game, cause that's his job. Like you have such an appreciation for guys that bring that sort of day-to-day -day consistency that Darius has. And, you know, I think that 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 shouldn't be undervalued. That is something that is real and does matter. Yeah. And 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 now comes the question, too, though, is that for the Cubs, obviously you get worried that someone's going to take somebody, but you have the opportunity to kind of look around as well and take somebody in the rule five draft. Have you d dug into that at all? Has it heard anything as maybe someone anyone that the Cubs would kind of be interested or farm systems that you think that they might want to pick from? You know, I, as far as specific names, I, I haven't yet. I think, you know, we'll, we'll see next week who teams protect and who they don't, and then start to get a list of, of that sort of in mind. Uh, but I think conceptually it'll be interesting. The Cubs do like to take guys in the rule five. They've, they did it even during that successful window. I think you might remember them. I think they drafted Caleb Smith like mm -hmm. in 2016 uh, and they brought him into spring training and gave a look at him. And ultimately, of course, you know, they weren't going to use a 26, a 25 man roster spot on him back then uh, and let him go. But the Cubs do like to give somebody a chance. So uh, I think if I looked at the Cubs roster, I would guess that if they were going to do it, they would do it with a reliever. You know, I think they, they really like how, how they identify pitchers in other organizations. I, I think they like how uh, they can bring a pitcher into the organization and make him better. So if I was going to guess at who the Cubs took, if they do take somebody, it would be, I would definitely be looking at, okay, who are the, who are the guys that baseball America thinks are the best relievers available in the rule five and pick one of those. And you're going to have as good of a chance as uh, of, of being right as I will on, on that day. Well, you know, it's going to be tricky. And, and, and like I said, it, it'll be fun to watch, but you know, for me, Brian, it's, it's a lot more enjoyable having, you know, this great minor league team and having all this talent, yeah. like you said, you know, three of four of the teams making it into the uh, minor league postseason, then, then not having anything out there the last, you know, it's been remarkable to turn around in the farm system. What do you, where would you say it's probably rated about now? Five, four. 
Yeah, I'd pr- probably in the five to 10 range. I think, you know, with Brennan's injuries, you know, you, they don't have, they're not going to have like multiple top 50 prospects probably. So that's going to push them down a little bit, but you know, I think somewhere in that sort of seven to seven to 10 range is probably where they'll, they'll settle in. It's it, like I said, it makes it fun. And I know it makes your job a lot more fun. Yeah. Why don't you tell our listeners where they can find your work at and where your social media handles would be? Sure. So I write a couple times a week at Bleacher Nation. Uh, I think hopefully most of you are familiar with with Brett's amazing site there. Uh, on Twitter, I am at Cub C-U-B Prospects. And then uh, let me call out real quick. I'm going to be a regular contributor on a new podcast that uh, my buddy Greg, Greg Huss is starting. It's going to be called Cubs on Deck, and our first episode is going to be this week. So uh, I hope uh, listeners of this great pod will give us a chance over there. Absolutely. We've had you on, we've had Greg on, and and, and, and uh, I think you're going to have some other contributors that are going to be great. And it's going to be a great podcast to listen to. So I'm wishing you guys nothing but the best and uh, look forward, Brian, to having you back on and seeing you at CubsCon maybe. Yeah, CubsCon for sure. And then down in Arizona, I'm sure we'll run into each other. All right, Brian. Hey, thanks for taking some time tonight and best of luck with everything. All right. Good to see you. Take care. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. Can you believe it? It's episode number 50. Farewell to Jason Hayward. Farewell officially for the third time to Wilson Contreras. And today's the day, Crowley, when the Cubs had to make that 40-man roster official. Let's talk about some of the moves that uh, they did to get to that point. Yeah, as you heard in the interview with Brian, which he's a great follow on Twitter, Cubs Prospects, but... Um, this was the day today to add rule five eligible players to the 40 man roster in order to prevent them from being taken in next month's rule five draft. So the rule five draft is in December and you you want to try to protect players from getting picked off right now. 10 teams currently have no space on the 40 man roster. The Cubs luckily do. One of those teams was the Tampa Bay Rays. But right before we recorded this episode, the Cubs made a trade. People were really, Cub fans were hoping it would maybe be for Tyler Glass now, but instead the Cubs traded right-handed pitcher, single-A pitcher, Alfredo Zaraga for left-handed utility player, Miles Mastrobuani. Mastrobuani played in AAA for the Rays. He's a 27-year-old utility player. He played three infield positions, shortstop, second base, and third base, and three, all three outfield spots. He's a lefty. He slashed 300, 377, and 469 last season at AAA. He was up a little bit uh, for the Rays. 
He is very similar to Zach McKinstry, who the Cubs acquired last season from the Dodgers. Here's the real big difference here. When you talk about Master Wani, he has three options remaining, while Zach McKinstry has none. So it could, this is definitely not a big, obviously not a big move, but you want to be able to have depth and have infield depth. And so you have somebody on the right-handed side. Christopher Morell is very similar in that profile, but you need more left-handed bats. And so you're going to see McKinstry and Master Buani uh, looking for playing time, and you can put Master Buani and put him in the uh, minor leagues. He has options, so it's not the end of the world, but McKinstry does not. So he would have to pass through waivers to go back to the Cubs minor leagues. So Master Buani is definitely an insurance kind of move. That's what um, I was going to say, an insurance policy, if you will. Yeah, and so that that's kind of where you are on that. So nothing big, but – the, the key to this offseason right now is the, the idea of no shift because the, the players that were most affected by the shifts were left-handed hitters. Whether, you know, for Cub fans thinking about um, Kyle Schwarber or Anthony Rizzo, those were guys that constantly hit balls and they would have that short right center fielder playing. You'd have the, what, you know, the shortstop playing in right, short right center and taking away what would be normally base hits. You can't do that anymore. So it, I think left-handers, left-handed bats are going to be at a premium in this offseason. Now, the Cubs also made a couple other um, players that they added to the 40-man roster. So this was one that was an interesting one. Kevin Alcantara uh, from the Myrtle Beach Pelicans makes the 40-man roster. If you remember Kevin Alcantara, I want to say it's with the Anthony Rizzo trade from the Yankees. So that, that, that kind of pan, that pans out. Uh, ben Brown, who we got for, that was not F Ross, it was for David Robertson, the David Robertson trade. So he is protected by the 40-man roster and Ryan Jensen, who the Cubs drafted. So they both played on uh, the, uh, the Smokies this year. So they were a double A. And then uh, Brennan Davis, who we've talked about, he, is, he played with the Iowa Cubs. He had the injury history. Uh, so those four guys are the ones that the Cubs chose to protect. So the 40-man roster now stands at 38 players. Uh, Rafael Ortega, we talked about the possibility of him being taken off the 40-man roster. As of right now, that is not the case. He is still on the 40-man roster. Why? So Why? I mean... It, it, you can always... You can always waive him. It's not a big deal. So, All right, but I'm just saying, if if you're if you're letting other things, other talent be lost, I don't know why you would not protect some of the guys and let and let Ortega float around. If somebody wants him, good for Ortega. If not, bring him back. So the what you what you want to do in this situation, you you don't want to waste 40 man roster spots. And you, have a, you know that they're going to make moves. So they're at 38 right now, right? So we talked about shortstop. We talked about at least one starting pitcher. So these right now are just the guys you're protecting from the Rule 5 draft, but then you can't take them off the 40-man roster later. So those 40-man roster spots would be gone. So you can't say like, okay, we're going to put Luis Devers on the 40-man roster spots. We can't be taken in the draft. And then in, in January, take them off the 40-man roster. You can't do that. 
Gotcha. I didn't so, understand. I didn't. I didn't completely understand it. I guess then. Right. So I'm taking a look right now at, at, at the Cubs. It's all updated. When we talk about outfielders on the 40-man roster, Kevin Alcantara's on there. Alexander Canario's on there. Brennan Davis, Ian Happ, Christopher Morel, Rafael Ortega, Seiya Suzuki, and Nelson Velasquez. So all of those those are your outfielders right now. Okay, and, and, and we talked about Rafael Ortega kind of being one of those guys that, you know, may not make it. Then later on with the infielders, you have P.J. Higgins, Nico Horner, Nick Magical, Miles Mestrobuani, Zach McKinstry, Alfonso Rivas, and Patrick Wisdom. Um, so it's going to be interesting to kind of see what they do with Rivas. Um, so Rivas would be a type of guy that you know, like, okay, let, let's say you did waive him, right, and he has to go through waivers, chances are nobody's going to really pick him up. So you can put him right back on your team. You know, you're not that worried about it. But um, when you talk about catchers, you have Miguel Amaya and Jan Gomes on there. So PJ Higgins right now is your backup catcher, but I think it's safe to say that you want another backup catcher of some type uh, to be in there. And uh, hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll see who, but I got a feeling that they want someone else to kind of take that with Jan Gomes and PJ Higgins can definitely, like I said, you know, he can, we saw him, he had a lot of versatility last year. So that's the catchers. When we look at the pitchers on here, you have, um, Albert Alzale, Javier Assad, Ben Brown, Jeremiah Estrada, who was on the podcast, Kyle Hendricks, Cody Hewer, Brandon Hughes, Ryan Jensen, just added Caleb Killian, Mark Leiter, Jr. Braylon Marquez, Ethan Roberts, Manny Rodriguez, Michael Rucker, Adrian Sampson, Justin Steele, Marcus Stroman, Keegan Thompson, Eric Ullman, Alexander Vizcaino, Hayden Wesniski, and Rowan Wick. All right, still work to do, Carly. Still some work to do. Yeah, there's there's definitely work to do. And, and so when the Rule 5 draft comes next month, obviously that's going to be something we're really going to be looking at closely. Um, definitely excited to see that Brennan Davis has made the 40 man roster and, uh, Jeremiah Estrada, like I said, he was a great kid. If you haven't caught that one on the podcast, you want to make sure you do that. Now, some of the guys that we talked about last time too, you also have some of the minor leaguers, those guys that were waived by the minor to the minor leagues have elected free agency. So you do have some players that are probably not going to be with the Cubs, in the future. So they will try to uh, latch on with some other minor league team. So, you know, do you remember Matt Swarmer? Remember how we thought that, Oh man, this guy's pretty good. He's looking pretty good. Uh, and, and then all of a sudden it kind of, kind of slowly fell apart for him. He is not going to be on the Cubs anymore. He is going to be a free agent. So look for him to, to possibly, um, pick up with another team. I'm uh, taking a look here. Fran Mil Reyes has elected to become a free agent. So Fran Mil Reyes is not on the 40 man roster. He's going to look for work elsewhere. Um, Alec Mills elected free agency. Dakota Meckes never really made it. Um, he, he probably got most notoriety from being on the compound podcast with um, uh, Ian Happ. They did a podcast and Dakota Meckes was, mm -hmm. was part of that. But the one thing that you see a lot now, Dustin, is that because the Cubs minor league talent has become has had such an infusion lately, there are a lot of guys that if you do watch a lot of Cubs minor league baseball players, these are what we call like 4A players. These guys have been around forever but never really broke through. Uh, Trent Giambroni would be an example of a 
for a player. So he's elected free agency. Uh, Delvin Zinn, Donnie DeWeese, Jonathan Sierra, Narciso Crook, all of those guys are all electing for minor league free agency. So they're going to latch on somewhere else. Fran Mil Reyes, we talked about, never really, you know, got it going here. And so it was worth a shot. Um, as far as the pitchers, Anderson Espinosa, he was a really highly touted prospect, but injuries really derailed his career. He had a cup of coffee with the Cubs this season, um, but he's elected free agency. Matt Swarmer, uh, we talked about having a little bit of a run this year, but that didn't happen. Alec Mills, uh, tough season with injuries. Uh, he's the one that didn't have a combined no-hitter, Dustin. He had the real deal uh, against <laughs> Milwaukee. Uh, but he is no longer going to be with the Cubs. And then Brad Week and Stephen Brault all are free agents. So other teams can sign these guys to minor league contracts. Uh, a couple rumors, Crowley, before we wrap up uh, episode number 50. So uh, according to Morosi, uh, Carlos Correa and Trey Turner are the two top uh targets for the Cubs at shortstop. Gordon Whitmire uh, putting out some notes today saying that he's going to bet that it's Correa getting that uh, almost nine-year, $300 million deal from the Cubs. You know, from Gordon's lips to the baseball god's ears is all I can say. But let me let me say something here really quick, Dustin, is that, you know what? Good. I, I want the Cubs to be in it again and to be spending like a big market team. Cub fans deserve that. I, I don't want them sitting there going in the bargain bin, buying the generic cereal and telling me it's just as good. We deserve better. And so, yeah, we should be with the big boys, the Carlos Correas. We should be looking at the, the Scott Boris clients and, and not settling. This is it. You have to make a move. Choose who you're going to build around and, and do it. That's all I'm asking because we pay the highest ticket prices in all of baseball. I pay north of $10 a beer every time I go, and I'm not drinking just one beer. So <laughs> with, with, with all that money, Dustin, please let me see the return on investment here. Let me see you picking up some big players so, and putting together a team that when Cubs convention gets started, I want that crowd riled up and excited and feeling like I did in 2015, feeling like I did in 2016 when I felt that the, the Cubs – we're, we're as competitive as any team in baseball and, and willing to step up and get any player and, and not be afraid of money and contracts. And, you know, I get intelligent spending. It all makes sense. But at the same time, you know, you do have to spend. You want, you want the, the best players in baseball? It's going to cost you. And so let's do this. Let, let's make this an offseason for Cub fans to remember. Amen. Let's make it a Cubs offseason to remember. That's a wrap. Season 1, Episode 50. Farewell to Jason Hayward and Wilson Contreras. And can you believe it, Crowley? There is only one guy left, the professor, Kyle Hendricks, left from the 2016 World Championship team. And don't forget, Crowley, right? Don't forget to listen, download, review, and most importantly, subscribe to our podcast. Yes, and don't forget to follow our socials, Fly the W670 and, and on Instagram and Twitter, Fly the W on Facebook, Fly the W670 at gmail.com. And let me just say for all the podcasters that do subscribe, you're going to be happy because next podcast, we have a very special guest. And that is all I am going to say. Great tease, Crowley. Hey, you got to know how to do it, right? Go Cubs, and let's start getting some players here. Let's do it. It's all over. 